tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church, that's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Well, hello. I'm just pressing buttons here that don't that don't want to be pressed, but we'll try one one more. Oy. All right, press buttons. Does anyone know how to press a button? All right, let's pray. That, that I can do. I, I can pray. Buttons? Meh. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to, to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, whose feast it is today, pray for us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell, Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's open the big book on the coffee table. Now... In the first reading, we have Daniel, the 7th chapter, the ninth verse to the 10th, and then we jump over a couple of verses, which I will, of course, look at. And um, uh, um, then we go to the, uh, what is it, the, the 13th verse. Um, and the, the verses that aren't in it just have, I watched from the first words, the arrogant words which the horn spoke until the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the burning fire. As for the other beasts, they're, they're, this is a lot like the book of Revelation, you know, the beasts with the horns and all that sort of thing, and the pointy teeth and that sort of thing. Um, well, before I launch into anything about the angels, I would like to launch into uh, something about uh, visionary language. The, 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 we have, uh, the, um, good grief. I gotta find the, uh, there we are. Uh, we, the second reading that's optional is also, it's about the book of Revelation. War broke out in heaven. And we, we always want to take these things as history. They're visions. Um, uh, let's see. What's, what's a, I think I told you a vision somebody had about me. Um, I have never had a vision. And uh, I'm glad of it. Uh, people always say, oh, it'd be so nice to have a vision. Yeah, got to understand what visions are. Remember, in the Old Testament, prophets were once called seers, people who saw. And there are people 
For whom the veil between this world and the real world, the spiritual world, that's the real world, uh, that this world is a temporary thing. The, the spiritual world is unending. This creation will end. That creation will not. So I call the spiritual world the real world. And there are people for whom the, the, the real world veil is a very thin veil and they 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 perceive through it uh, you run into things in the old testament about and Saul uh, fell prophesying on the ground day and night to Saul prophets and they're coming down the road prophesying and you read that in the old testament what are they doing they're saying thus says the lord by low sell high no, it's not prophecy what they're doing is they're seeing this world and reacting to it and frankly, I don't want to see that world. I'm quite content in this little world at the moment because that world is a scary world. Why? Because war, it's at war. And I have a feeling if I could see what's going on around me, like Padre Pio, he saw what was going on around him. That poor guy, he got thrown. I, I knew a, an old Byzantine priest, Father Chrysostom, he talked like this. And he learned Spanish at the age of 92, and he taught Spanish like this, Hola, mis hermanos. <laughs> I remember giving a 15-minute talk at a, a, a big mass. Uh, it might have been a half an hour. Hablando españolas. You couldn't understand him in English. You couldn't understand him in Spanish. After a packed church, 1,000-plus people stood up and gave this old guy a standing ovation. This guy was holy. And... Um, I remember in the rectory, we would hear things at night, you know, things going bump in the night. And Father Chrysostom looked just kind of worn. He was tired. And uh, the pastor said, Father Chris, uh, what's, are you all right? He said, Bell, I wake up in the middle of the night, floating over my bed. <laughs> and we looked at him and he said, that doesn't bother me. It's when I get slammed against the wall that it bothers me. So <laughs> he went and saw the doctor. The doctor said, you're fine, Chris. Just just get a little rest. You know, there are people who live in that world, like Padre Pio or Father Christostom. And I'm happy just muddling along in this world. But people always, oh, if only I could see a vision. Well, you know, that that, that veil is thinner than you think. And we live in this world which is both material and spiritual. And we live, as C.S. Lewis says, like amphibians on the edge of a pond. So don't go into the water unless you really know what's going on and you've got somebody there who's going to protect you. Uh, the, the land is dangerous. The water is dangerous if you're just a little frog. Uh, so you need somebody to take care of you. People who get interested in spiritual things without God's Holy Spirit well, there you go. It's dangerous. And that brings us to the angels. The angels are guardians. And how do they guard us? They guard us with the word of God. I don't mean quotes from the Bible, but God's God speaking. All things were made out of nothing by God speaking. He brought all things into his existence and sustains them in existence by his speaking. An angel, the word angel the word angel means messenger. It's a Greek word. It was a common Greek word. It means messenger. And how do the angels protect us? By reminding the devil of God's solemn word. That's how. They speak to the devil. And speaking, uh, they, they, they defeat him. It's by the word of their testimony, we read elsewhere in the book of Revelation, that they defeated the devil. And that's something, by the word of their testimony, they defeated the devil. So 
this idea of of the angels as messengers their goal is not to keep us safe in this world their goal is to get us to the to, safely to into the the spiritual realm uh and and uh that that happens when we die in this world and we wake up in completely in that world um their job is not to to keep us safe in this world it is to get us safely to the next and so part of the message they say is not yet you know there have been i am quite sure that there have been angels who have have kept me from disaster especially knowing the way i drive uh the the one of the great testimonies of uh, miraculous testimonies in my life is that i have so very few dents in my car uh, you know they they because it's not yet but you know occasionally <laughs> the angels say now i remember the story of a, a a priest who was golfing i always doubted my vocation to the priesthood because i just can't golf but the lord is merciful and i'm a priest despite not being totally unable to golf i come from a family of golfers yeah, couldn't couldn't I barely could make contact with the ball. Uh, well, this priest he's golfing and he's with another priest and uh, I think it was kind of a solemn high golf game. It was a couple priests and a deacon, and uh, he was not feeling well. He sat down on the bench. And he looked at me and said, "What is that angel doing over there?" And he dropped dead. So uh, I'm assuming he had the sacraments. Another priest being there, uh, but. Um, um, you know, part of what an angel says about our life in this world, I think, is not yet. And then one day the angel is going to say, it's time. Uh, angels are not what we think because that, that invisible world is not really that much like this world. This world is a dim copy of the real world. Uh, maybe that's the Platonist in me, but I think if we were people who had visions on a regular basis, that could be truly frightening. We read, war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. Now, um, let's see here. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, to uh, just mention that in that first reading that we have Daniel the seventh chapter, then we have the option of Revelations 12, not a second reading, but an option. But this son of man that we read about in the in the reading from Daniel, that's a reference to this celestial being who's not one of the angels. You know, we, we see that uh, thousands upon thousands were ministering to him. Uh, those are ministering spirits. The angels are ministering spirits. All right. Let's 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 look at that word closely. The word minister means table waiter in Latin. It is the Latin translation for the word deacon. You ever wonder what the function of the deacon is at Mass? The priest stands in, in the liturgy, the, the, the sacred uh, icon. The, the sacraments are icons. They're images of the heavenly reality. So the priest stands in for Christ. The congregation is the bride. So what's the deacon? The deacon is the witnessing angel. That's what deacons do. They represent the angels. In the Eastern Church, the, the deacon stole just before Holy Communion is crossed, so it will look like angels' wings. So the deacon represents that angelic order, which is part of, of the communion of saints. The angels are part of the communion of saints. Everyone gets upset. St. Michael. Why is he a saint? He's an angel. Oh, he... <sighs> 
be a little more poetic about it. The word saint is just the Latin word meaning holy one. He's a holy one. The holy Michael, holy Mary, holy everybody, hopefully. So don't worry about it. It's just a translation issue. Uh, but thousands upon thousands were ministering to him. The, the angels are called ministering spirits. But this is not a ministering spirit, one like a son of man. He's not a son of man. He's like a son of man. And so that's Jesus' favorite title for himself. He identifies himself as this one like a son of man who's given dominion and glory and kingship. So uh, um, nations and peoples of every language serve him. So his dominion is an everlasting dominion. So that's what angels are. They are ministering spirits. They are they are waiters. They're they're table waiters. They dish out God's word, and uh, I think that that's that's uh, you know everybody prays, "Oh Lord, keep me safe. Keep those I love safe. Uh, help me make a little money. Help me conquer this disease." And those are all wonderful things to pray for. However, the 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 primary prayer of the believer is, "Lord, teach me your ways." Uh, uh, teach me your ways, O Lord. That, and that's what angels are, are, are supposed to do. They're supposed to lead us into situations in which we can hear the word of God clearly because they are messengers. So um, that's a, a wonderful thing. And, and I think we need to, uh, um, uh, I think we need to kind of dial back our, our anthropomorphism. In other words, making things look like us. Uh, that's what anthropomorphism is. It, it's making God look human, but it's also making the angels look like us, and they aren't like us. You know, I have heard it said, I, now, as I say, I've never had a vision, uh, but I have heard it said that angels actually are huge. The people I know who've seen angels, they're huge. So, uh, um, big and, yeah, people are afraid of them. Angels are frightening when when you see one. So, well, this what I want to the, the the button I want to push here in the Gospel of John the first chapter, we see Nathaniel, uh, 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 one of the twelve, uh, and uh, he says, you know, what good can come from Nazareth? Nazareth is, you know, Nazareth was about ten miles west of nowhere at all. It was nothing. It was a tiny podunk town uh, that that where a lot of the the, the old threadbare royal family of David had settled, well, maybe a couple hundred people. It was nothing, just kind of pretentious, uh, poor but pretentious people. Well, Jesus, uh, he said, uh, ah, here's a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. I think that's an interesting thing to call someone. There is no duplicity in him. Hold on, let me pull that up. Uh, uh, so, the, you know, I think it, it means kind of, well, double-mindedness. Let's see here what the word is. It was an interesting word, as I recall. I once looked it up, but now I've forgotten it. Hold on. Again, with the professionalism here. Oh, there is no, there is no uh, craftiness in him. There's no craftiness in him. There's no deceit. Uh, and what it really is, is a decoy. That's what it is. So what you see is what you get. There's no decoy. There's no bait. Uh, uh, something that would be crafty in the Greek sense, that would have dolos, uh, uh, would be a, a worm on a hook. Ooh, that's a nice looking worm. Ow, it's a hook. And uh, suddenly I'm in the boat. 
I'm speaking in persona pescati, <laughs> the person of the fish. Uh, <laughs> not biscotti. The voice might say biscotti. That's a cookie. No, pe, pe, what is the Latin? Pisces? Pisces? Is it the genitive? Uh, Pisces? Never mind. Let me get back to the, the Bible. But there's no, there's no, there's no fake bait in him. What you see is, in fact, what you get. And uh, uh, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, this is very important, the fig tree, because the Jews believed that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree, not an apple tree. That's 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 a Latin pun. Uh, malo means evil, and malo means Latin in in, in apple in Latin. So that's a, a Latin pun, and you know I don't like puns. But the 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 rabbis thought it was a fig tree. So from the beginning of time, Jesus saw Nathaniel, and. Uh, um, Impressed by that, that I know you wait, you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel is going to be one of those who can see through the veil. Better him than me. All right. I think speaking of seeing things through the veil, oh, no one's going to like this. No one's going to like it at all. It's time to go to uh, mass hysteria. One of the lousiest songs ever written. Oh, good grief. That's a beautiful Methodist hymn, uh, Come Thou Fond of Every Blessing. It's one of my favorite hymns. But some, some, let me think of a polite word, some person, how's that? No, no, not that word. No, 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 no. That's not going out over the air. Um, there's a common word in English that is in Yiddish is not polite at all. So I'm not saying it. Uh, the voice in my head just mentioned it, but he, I don't think he knows what it means in Yiddish. But moving along. Boy, am I distracted today. Well, that's just me. The, the, um, uh, a person wrote it. Sing a new church into being. No, thank you. I'll take the old one. Sing a new church into being. What in the name of sweet heavenly glory is that about? You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know, yeah. Oh, gosh. That, that, but that's not what I want to talk about that song. I don't want to talk about it at all. But I do want to talk about is something far more irritating. I got a letter from Father Michael. Um, uh, a friend, uh, uh, and he sent me copies of the uh, um, uh, of the um, a letter by Bishop Archbishop Sample to his diocese, and and Archbishop Sample really touches the third rail uh, by saying that well, let's see here, they have the music. okay, where 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 to go? Okay. Uh, it's about the proper celebration of mass and music, all that sort of thing. And, um, apparently Bishop Sample forbids that. I hope I'm reading this right. I don't want to get Bishop Sample into trouble, but, um, the, the, uh, the blessing that we give little children should not be given because it places, uh, the lay Eucharistic ministers in a bad spot, but, uh, uh, I, I think Archbishop Sample says all blessings should be given by the priest to the entire con to the entire congregation. That is a third rail, isn't it? Uh, and 
you know, people come up with their kids. I have given so many kids their first communion at the age of five and six because they come up for the blessing and they snatch the host. And I have no idea if they've made their first communion or not. Uh, and so I can I admit that openly. I didn't do it intentionally. But this great moment for which they are preparing their first Holy Communion. Well, all of a sudden, it's not their first Holy Communion. It's their eighth Holy Communion because they managed to to squirm out of the control of their parents for the little blessing. Now, I'm going to say something that nobody's going to like, and I don't expect anybody to pay any attention to it, especially not the clergy, because you see, we clergy, we like being liked. I, you know, it's, it's, it's not comfortable having everyone mad at you. In the business of religion, you have to think, whom do I want angry with me? Because I can't do what they want. I can't perform their third wedding under a circus tent. And if I were a good priest, they think I would, but I just can't. I, you know, that kind of thing. You, you pick you pick who you want mad at you. Do you want this committee mad at you because you said yes to the other committee or vice versa? Uh, pardon me. I'm just complaining about my, my own <laughs> distractions. However, I am getting to a point, believe it or not. <sighs> Children uh, um, coming up for the blessing. This is antithetical antithetical, the exact opposite of what the Mass is about. How often do I tell you that you don't go to Mass to get something, you go to Mass to give something? That child is not of an age where he can or she can decide to give their lives totally to Jesus, uh, and thus they are not ready for communion. But they need to get the blessing. Didn't you hear me? You don't go to Mass to get something, you go to Mass to give something. I have had children go into hysterics because they didn't get the blessing. In other words, it's about getting something. The little blessing of little children before, during communion, because, well, it's the sort of also, also competed theory that everyone who goes to the contest should have a prize, not just the winners. Well, it's antithetical to the meaning of Mass. They're not sacrificing their lives. And they'll get a blessing at the end of Mass, or even in the vestibule, if they're, they're if it's that important, but I really think that the blessing that has become customary at the, uh, the Holy Communion for children who have not made their first communion is, is, is contrary to the nature of the sacrament and diminishes the sacrament. And nobody's going to like me saying that, and nobody's going to pay attention, and nobody's going to do it just as well. But eh, that's my opinion. All right, let's, uh, we'll come back. We're going to go to a break. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We will be right back. At least I hope I will be. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Yes, thank you for being a friend. You put up with me and I say lots of things that, well, but I really mean it about that. It's, it's, um... You know, that idea of longing for First Communion, that, that if a kid wants First Communion, 
you know, why can't I have it now? Well, because it's a, it's a medicine for the soul. And when you're older, you, you'll need that medicine. You don't need it right now. It's like medicine. And that's one thing you can tell a kid who's, gimme, gimme, gimme. And the longing for communion is a good thing. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I, I just, I really do. You know, when someone says to me, my child didn't get the blessing at communion, I want to look at them and say, you don't really understand what mass is for, do you? But I don't do that. I bless the children. Because, yeah. You know, that canoe is over the waterfall, I'm afraid. But it is not part of the liturgy. And I think it is not only not part of the liturgy, it is, as I said, antithetical to the liturgy. And if someone insists that their kid get the blessing, you have had people chew me out for not doing it the right way. Uh, um, that the, They just don't understand what Mass is for, for them or for their children. Now, that said, you know, one of the things, I, I just can't stop talking about the liturgy, but, uh, and I love the Novus Ordo, I love the Old Mass, it's all good, it's all great. However, I was talking to a priest friend of mine, and we were reminiscing about our childhood, and we learned a lot about classical music, good music, uh, as children from Bugs Bunny cartoons, because they would use all this classical music. Uh, oh, well, this isn't classical, but you get the idea. Listen to this theme imprinted in your brain. Okay, because okay, enough with the Bugs Bunny music. <laughs> okay, that that he said that you know whenever he sees one of these cantors or song leaders or whatever they are lift their arms in this dramatic gesture like they're about to flap their wings and fly to the moon which is really they're saying okay idiots start singing um and it's this dramatic gesture that it makes him think of bugs bunny conducting the orchestra because bugs bunny would tap the podium and then lift his arms <laughs> like a canter in church so next time you see someone like that let Cantor do that. Play the music again. Think this. There's the music. Ah. Yes. Yes, that's the Bugs Bunny theme music. All right, let's move on to letters before I really get into trouble. <sighs> okay, okay. I got some really swell. Oh, there's something I want to shill here. You know what the shill means? It's a Yiddish word meaning to shill. The Archdiocese of Milwaukee had its annual seminary dinner uh, not too long ago. And they showed what I found to be one of the most beautiful videos. It's about 15 minutes long. The people who are involved in that should be, I, I suppose, proud is the wrong word to use, but they should be so grateful to God what God has done to them. The video is called Fidelity 2021 Annual Seminary Dinner Video. You can get it on YouTube, Fidelity 2021, Archdiocese of Milwaukee Annual Seminary Dinner Video. You can put all that in, but I think you'll probably get it with just Fidelity 2021 on YouTube. It is, it, I'm an old priest. Boy, am I old. It, it inspired me as to my priesthood. Um, it, it really did. It, it really was a shot in the arm. Uh, and I think it will inspire you. 
it is it is uh, we, uh the uh, Nicholas the second the voice of my head seat he's going to put a link to the podcast to to uh, a link to the fidelity thing on the podcast if you can watch that so kudos to the to the archdiocese of Milwaukee and to his grace archbishop Lestecki, who is uh you know uh Behold the great priest, as the old song said, um, uh, who in his day pleased God. I think that this effort was truly pleasing to God. All right. That said, uh, did we do the letter theme? Can we go to letters now? I think we did. No, don't do it again. Why bother? All right. Let's see here. Come on. Get out. For some. Okay. Now, let's see here. Um, oh, I did get a letter, but this is from actual relevant radio, that uh, we have begun... Uh, uh, um, uh, the with along with uh, EWTN and the Napa Institute, a joint rosary for life. And I'm always talking about the rosary. I discovered the rosary late in life because we were not encouraged to say it in the seminary in which I participated. In fact, is at one point, some seminarians started a covert rosary group because if you said the rosary too much, you probably weren't fit material for ordination. I'm not making this up. I'm not making any of this up. But there were a bunch who kind of snuck into the basement and don't tell anyone, but they actually said the rosary. Enough said. Well, the, the rosary, I find to be one of the most potent defenses against the devil. The devil hates the Hail Mary and hates the rosary. I, I found that to be true. The little experience I've had with exorcisms, again, I was never an exorcist, but I assisted in exorcisms. It just was clear to me. The devil hates the Hail Mary because it reminds him of the sacredness of the human body. Remember, people talk, well, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I, I, I go out and I look at the sky and I'm, I feel God and I'm spiritual. The devil is spiritual. He's a pure spirit. I'm not a pure spirit. I am, I am a, a spirit who has an immortal soul and a mortal body. I am not a pure spirit. And if I want to just be spiritual, I am neglecting uh, <laughs> half of me. So uh, uh, the rosary is, is a powerful prayer, and I would encourage you to join us in that in that rosary campaign. Enough said. All right, I, let me, there, there was one letter. Now I have, oh, this, I got I to gotta deal with this one. <laughs> As a proud Neanderthal, I have to talk about this. This is from, I'll leave her anonymous, but... Um, her, her son no longer attends mass. He sold on critical race theory, global warming, you know, the whole schmear. Uh, but he was very active in the church, but he he really has left his faith uh, because um, uh, uh, he believes that science proves that Neanderthal man and hominid man existed. Of course they existed. I am a high 3% Neanderthal, which accounts for why I walk on my knuckles. You know, the first nine books of the Bible, or first nine, not books, first nine chapters of the Bible, which deal with the flood, which deal with the Tower of Babel, which deal with uh, the creation uh, of the universe and, and humanity, these are literally true from God's perspective. From my perspective, not so much. And I have shared a thousand times and will share it again. The... Um, uh, the five blind men who went to the circus to see an elephant. One bumped into the side and said, oh, the elephant is clearly like a rough wall. 
And one grabbed the leg. This is a very patient elephant. They're near. He grabbed the leg of the elephant and said, no, not, don't be ridiculous. It's like the trunk of a tree, bark and all. Someone grabbed an ear and said, no, no, no. It's like a great tropical plant, like the leaf of a great tropical plant. Someone grabbed the trunk and said, uh, no, 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 no. The, the, the elephant is like, is, is like a fire hose. And then the one who was at the end of the elephant, incapable of smiling, uh, or facial expression, grabbed the tail and said, oh, no, 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 you're all wrong. The, the elephant is like nothing, is like nothing so much as a rope. And you're standing back looking at this demonstration. And because you are sighted, you say, an elephant looks nothing so much as an, like, so it's not, looks like nothing so much as an elephant. You see, the poetic description of the creation makes the point, using the number seven, that the very fact of creation is God's oath of love to us. And and uh, people who do not have the souls of poets worry how God did this. How my Neanderthal genes got into me and how human they were and whether they had immortal souls, I do not know. I was not there. But those who know me, and when they hear that I am a high 3% Neanderthal, well, they have very little doubt that it is possible. So please tell your son that, that if he has no poetry in his soul, then he will never understand the beauty of God. And uh, he will live with the cold and heartless uh, belief in, uh, in, in his pseudoscience. Uh. There you go. That's my thinking on it. All right, let's see what time we got. I think I can do one more letter. This was a very poignant letter, which I, I uh, wanted to read. Dear Father Simon, sometimes it's gut-wrenching being alone. We have to face ourselves and our failures. During these times, you recommend saying the morning offering during the day, and it is helpful advice. And she quotes a phrase, um, I believe in love even when I am alone. It's similar to that saying, I, I, I believe in the stars, even though I cannot see them. I, I believe that the sun is there, even on a cloudy day. I believe in love, even when I am alone. And, you know, I remember Cardinal George uh, telling a story. He, one of his teachers was very dear to him. Um, uh, he studied in, in Canada, and, and uh, his French was impeccable, just impeccable. And uh, my French is very, very peccable, so you'll forgive me if I say something in bad French. But he went up to this uh, old priest who just lost the last member of his family. He said, well, now you're alone. And the priest looked at him and said, jamais seul, jamais seul, never alone. I'm never alone. Let's go to a break. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Earth Angel, Earth Angel, will you be mine, my darling dear, love you all the time. Earth Angel, that's... That's what we think of angels. Oh, I, I don't think we'd call our angel darling dear. Angel God, my guardian dear. Oh, yes, we do. Well, they're dear, but they're very large. At least that's what I've been told. I got a letter um, uh, about, once again, about the... Uh, oh, yeah, the phone number. You can call in. I want to do one more letter, but I do want to do phone call. Oh, we didn't do the word of the day yet. But I do want to do uh, this letter. Um, and maybe we can even make it the word of the day because, well, it's... Uh, 
it's a word that everybody gets upset about. Um, once again, once again, the word of the day, you could hit the gong now. We'll do the word of the day in the context of this letter. Is puppy. I, you must be tired of hearing me talk about this, but, uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, let me see. Where did I go? Where did I put the, the where did I put my letters? Oh, good grief. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is someone who, um, I did hear prior about this reading where Jesus says to the, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, which actually is a, an ancient way of saying Lebanese. He said to the Lebanese lady, um, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. He doesn't say use the word dog. Dog doesn't appear in the text. The word in the text is kunarion, which means puppy. Jesus never called a, a Lebanese woman a dog. He didn't do it. Uh, but that's not the emphasis that the fellow is, is, is interested in. Uh, he said it's not right to give the children's bread Okay, he concedes to the puppies. Does it mean the children need it more than the puppies? No, I have been reminded many times by John, uh, a correspondent who often writes, that this is a rather Jewish way of saying don't give what is sacred to someone who cannot receive it. The dogs will not perceive, the puppies won't even perceive uh, 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 what the bread really is for. The, the bread is for the children. And that brings us, of course, back to the X I was grinding about children and the blessing. You know, just because they can't receive Holy Communion, they can't receive Holy Communion. It, it's not a possibility. Uh, they are in communion with the Lord already by their baptism, but the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist will not augment their communion with the Lord because they are not of an age to choose to sacrifice themselves to the Lord, except, except exceptionally. And there are some people who can do that at a very young age, but not many. So, why did Jesus say that it's not right to give the children's bread to the puppies? And I use the word puppies because that's what's in the text. Does it mean the children need it more than the puppies? No, the children are able to receive it for what it is, that you don't give holy things to the unholy. You don't you don't give uh, 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 a sacrament to someone who cannot receive it. I think, uh, John, if you're listening, I hope that that's, you know, I've really been thinking about what you said, and I, I hope that that helps. All right, well, let's go to phone calls, 888-914-9149. Oh, I wish I was smart. All right, what? Anthony from Fort Myer, are you with us, Anthony? Yes, sir. Good. What can I do for you? Well, my friend, um, I'm looking for some advice or some tips, per se, on debating against originism. One of my friends, they're gaining oh. a lot of interest in originism, it seems, and uh, it just leaves me a little worried. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I got into a very well, basic yeah. argument with him last night, and I just wanted some tips and advice against originism, if you may. Well, let us explain the or originism uh, uh, to... to uh, people who don't know what originism is, originism is the belief that in the end, even the devils will be saved. Is that the or heresy of origin that you're, you're, you're worried about? Is that uh, yes, are we playing on the same page? Yes. Uh, I to that. Yes. The problem, you know, uh, 
the big problem, and I think there may actually be a phone caller asking this uh, also, uh, the big problem, oh, you may be the phone caller, uh, that the big problem is why would God create people if they were just going to go to hell? That, that's not merciful or kind. The, the, the thing is that freedom is absolutely necessary for love. And, you know, I've shared this comparison a number of times. You always see the puff piece, this Hollywood starlet um, who marries the the 95-year-old billionaire with one foot in the grave, one foot on a banana peel. And, and you know, he's he's um, sitting there drooling into, into a, a cup while she's saying, oh, if he were the poorest man in the world, I would still love him. And everybody knows that's a joke. She knows it's a joke. The reporters know it's a joke. You know it's a joke. The only idiot who doesn't know it's a joke is the is the old fellow. Now, when he dies a few months later of enthusiasm, what happens is that she gets into a battle royal with the first, second, third, and fourth wife uh, um, uh, because he's left uh, his entire fortune to her and her two chihuahuas. She didn't love him. She couldn't love him. She was too poor. She had no freedom. Freedom is the absolute substructure of love. If God did not create us with real freedom, well, I'm going to only create people who will freely choose me. That's not freedom. You see, God is a realist. We are not. God really gives us freedom. And some of us will choose hell. No one's in hell who doesn't want to be there. They may think they don't want to be there. But I I refer you to uh, um, Milton in Paradise Lost. Uh, He he quotes, he, he puts the words in the mouth of the devil saying, I would rather I would rather reign in hell than bend the knee in heaven. The devil wants to be in hell. He thinks it's his kingdom. And people who say, oh, I want to go to heaven, but that's because I want the mansion of gold and I'm going to have servants and the angels will wait on me and it'll be great. I don't know that they want heaven. They want splendid isolation in a nice mansion. Uh, You know, the story of King Midas is, is a very powerful old myth. It's a man who wanted gold and uh, the gods gave him the golden touch. Anything he touched turned to gold. And he touched his daughter, and she turned to gold. He had all the gold he wanted, but he was so miserable because he could do nothing with it. There was no one with whom he could share it, but he still wanted the gold. You see, that's us. We want, we think we want love, but we prefer things. And so God genuinely creates free people. If he created only those who would choose him, there would have been no real risk. In a sense, God is the ultimate risk taker. And uh, he gives us what we ask for. And so many of us think we're asking for heaven, which is to live in love with the Lord forever, to behold his face, as Cale Clark said earlier, to behold God's face. And and uh, that's what heaven is. And well, I don't want that. I, I would like eternal and infinite luxury. Well, You're asking for eternal and infinite aloneness. So that is why originism is wrong. It is a misplaced belief that that uh, God uh, is nice because loving and nice are the same thing. And loving and nice are not the same thing. Read the song of Solomon. Love is as relentless as death. You know, that's a, um, a 
powerful thing and god god truly is love not our not our uh, our varnished off uh, refined uh, the edges filed away kind of love that is just sort of a benign niceness does that help at all oh yes sir that that actually helps out a lot um, I, I've actually, I told him about that, about how, you know, we need the freedom in order to love, in fact. But he told me yeah, that um, yeah. that in order for free will, that since we exist before we're born, that freedom is we don't, not we, there, but only here on Earth. Oh, I don't and know that, that we exist before we're born. Uh, I'm not sure that that's true. We exist after we die, but you know, I think the jury's still out on whether you know. There's a, that. That's kind of an occultist view that that I, I remember somebody who was a terrible person abandoned his children. He said, "Well, they chose me uh, in heaven. They they chose for me to be their father. They knew what they were getting into." I don't think that's true. I don't think we believe that. So. Well, I hope that does help. And, and you know, originism is, is, it prefers a God who is nice to a God who is love. And that's, that's, that's what that's about, you know. How can you look at the cross and be an originist? All right, hope that helps a little, and I'm honored that you listen. Thanks for calling in. Who we got now, dear voice in my head? Ed from Modesto, California. City motto, it's a dry heat. So how you doing out there? It's been hot. Is it, they uh, haven't supposed, it, rains hey, haven't started, have they? Hey, Father. Hey, Father. Yeah, today it's kind of a little bit, it's at 70 today, so it's nice. Uh, oh, uh, Father, not bad. Yeah, I have a question. I have a question. So during the Babylonian exile, so do you know yes. what was the Jewish population? before the Babylonian exile, and how many Jewish people were taken from their land to Babylon? Wow, I, I'm, there's more good stats on the people who came back. Uh, there's probably about 50,000 people returned from exile in Babylon. And I would think that it was in the hundreds of thousands of people who were exiled into Babylon, and I would say the population of Judea was certainly not more than a million. That's my guesstimate. Uh, but I have I I don't know if there's any good archaeology on that. Uh, a big town back then would have been twenty thousand uh, uh, in that part of the world. Now Babylon was a city of hundreds of thousands, but it was rather rare in the world. So I would let's say un, un, you know under a million, a few hundred thousand taken. Uh, in exile, and uh, 50,000 returned, and but the rest stayed in Babylon. Hundreds of thousands of people never came back. And, and there was a Babylonian Jewish community up until, well, up until the 60s, believe it or not. Uh, uh, and when they, under pressure, all emigrated to the state of Israel. That's my guesstimate, but uh, I suppose it's a fairly well-educated guesstimate, but not that good. Does that help a little? Yes, it does. So I believe so, because uh, I'm from Iraq. So when when the when the the Muslim community of Iraq kicked the Jews out of Baghdad, out of Iraq in general, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was talking about. So yeah. I believe those. Uh, yep, I believe those Jews were were originally from the Babylonian exiles, and they they were still. They there. were exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They were from the Babylonian exile, and that, that's where the real weight of Jewish thought came from. It's a Babylonian Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud sort of the Reader's Digest version. Uh, uh, um, uh, and the Babylonian Talmud is, what is it, 23 books? I've got it on a shelf, and believe me, I haven't read the whole thing. 
bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, and and of course, many many of the Jews blended into the the Aramaic speaking population, and many of the Babylonian Jews, not not a majority, uh, but many probably became Christian. And uh, you know, it's a little controversial to discuss that because uh, of the tensions in 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 the area. But that gene pool is very serious. Now, are you a Syrian? I am actually, Father, see, I, I am the language that I speak. I always say, I, I, we, we, see, Chaldeans and Assyrians, they spoke, they both speak Syrian. Oh, you're Chaldeans, yeah. Yeah, so I believe, I believe we are Syriac spoken people, since we, our mother language is Syriac. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's the same as the language of Jesus. Jesus would probably be able to understand your dinner conversation. Exactly. So, so exactly. It's yes. Uh, oh yeah, I I I was a priest in Skokie for many years, and and uh, large population of, of of Chaldeans and and Assyrians, and uh, and they are different people, but uh, uh, closely related. So, well, thank you for calling in. That and you're exactly right that the the Babylonian Jews. Uh, have been there since the destruction of the temple uh, the first time. Thanks for calling in, Thanks, and Father. I am honored that you're Thank listening. Do, God bless you. Thanks. Uh, do we have time for one more phone call? Geraldine from Illinois. Are you with us, Geraldine from Illinois? Good. Yes, what can I do I for am. you? Yes, I am, Father, and thank Good. you for taking my call. My call is I uh, I got a little Irish a prayer book in Ireland, and there's a litany to St. Uh, Patrick yes. in it. And it says, yes. St. Patrick, Apostle of Ireland, and then it says, St. Patrick, Vessel of Election. And I want to know what that means. Yes. That the Irish people, I think, uh, and are very have been very, very dear to God and very chosen. Election means chosen. And and he's the vessel of their choosing, that God chose the Irish people to do a great work through the ministry of St. Patrick, who, despite what the Irish will tell you, he wasn't Irish. He was uh, partly Celtic, partly Italian, uh, grew up in, in Roman Britain. But... Uh, 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 but he was, he was God's voice calling the Irish to do a great thing. And we pray for Ireland. I pray for Ireland that it may once again step up to the plate and continue to do great things for God. Ireland is in a very difficult time, as so many places are. Well, God bless you. And uh, I, one can think of the Irish as the chosen people. And, well, I often used to think of Ireland as the Holy Land because I was a rare German in an Irish school. Speaking of rare, Drew is coming up. Don't go anywhere.